And for the longest time, I was told, you know, don't give to panhandlers on the street. It's not right. Um, the city's supposed to take care of them and just encouraging more of it and all that. And then I just changed my mind and I just sort of said, you know what? I don't care if that person is going to uh, put alcohol in their body or even inject something in their veins. They're as deserving of compassion as anybody else. And um, and I walk around with a, a wad of $1 bills you know, just, just to give out to people. And less because I'm, you know, I'm really trying to be a saint and more because I realize what it does to my brain and my mind and my sense of well-being to say no, to walk past that and not have compassion. And the way brain plasticity works is the more you show compassion like that, even if you don't feel it, eventually you will feel it. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and in this show, we hear the healthy habits of Ben Fetter, our guest in show 611. If you remember, Ben was at the top of the corporate ladder and left it, took his family to Bali for a year to find themselves, but now he's back and back on top of the corporate ladder, but doing it differently. His habits won't sound like your normal C-suite executive as they include yoga and meditation and tithing and compassion. Those are all headline focal points for his personal and his business life. It's really a paradigm shifting perspective, especially coming from someone like him and his position. You can check out his book, Take Off Your Shoes, Corporate Takeover, Spiritual Makeover at Ben Fetter, F-E-D-E-R, author. BenFetterAuthor.com or wherever you buy books. We'll talk with Ben right after I share these great resources. Okay, friends, here then are Ben Fetter's healthy habits. Okay, Ben, well, I always look forward to these habits show and in hearing uh, the personal habits that people do in these areas of the Ziegler wheel of life to be as successful as they can be yours. I'm really interested to hear uh, because I'm assuming that there are some habits that are different today than they were years ago before the story that we went over in the first show with you, which folks that was show six eleven, And, uh, it's really going through his journey in the book, take off your shoes that I hope you get the book, but hope you also listen to the show. But with that said, if there are any habits, I'll let you call the shots here, uh, that you would say, gosh, you know, I used to do X, Y, Z since your experience, it's changed a little bit. I think it'd be interesting to hear in relation to your story. So you make the call on that. Uh, okay. number one is just the physical nutritional side of you. What do you do to be healthy and well there? And I did appreciate from our first show, your mountain biking advocacy. Uh, we'll have to go do that sometime together. I'm with you on that one, but, uh, sure. what do you do consistently for your physical nutritional health? Um, well, uh, there's been a lot of change there, right? I mean, used to be, um, you know, I'd lift some weights, I go on an elliptical trainer and, you know, just because I needed to two times a week or something like that. Um, and then I would do a lot of eating on the run or I do kind of a lot of, um, fancy dinners at restaurants and wine and desserts and all of that stuff that did not really work for me so well. And then, you know, over time, mostly through Bali, while I was in Bali, I became vegan for a period of time. Um, and then, um, but my workouts and my physical fitness had to do, um, I spent a lot of time doing yoga and that's uh, for me as much mental fitness as it is physical fitness. Um, there is kind of this amazing sense of presence and arrival that I have when I'm on a yoga mat 
Um, and that's utterly, especially when I was away on Bali, kind of utterly changed my, my body, the way I looked, the way I, the way I moved, my flexibility. Um, and it was really, really interesting to me. As, as I was getting older, I was getting more stiff and um, uh, really uh, changed, I mean, changed everything I thought about my body and about physical fitness. Um, it's not, I don't think being flexible and bendy is kind of really what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to achieve. And I do realize that, um, I have to do other things also. So I still cycle sometimes mountain biking, sometimes, um, road biking. Um, and, um, and I shake it up a lot. I exercise probably, um, six or seven days a week. Um, so I'm pretty active and I try to stay, uh, try to stay mobile. Um, and as we age, I think that's kind of critical. This kind of movement itself is just critical. Um, and on the nutrition side, um, you know, I think it's mostly around paying attention. And I would say, uh, you know, many years ago, I just didn't pay any attention to it at all. Um, and now I pay a lot of attention to um, what I eat, not only in terms of nutrition, but also in terms of, you know, certain ethics and, you know, how the, you know, how the food is prepared and presented and all that stuff. You really try to stay away from plastic. You really try to stay away from um, processed foods. And in many ways, I stay away from red meat. Yeah. Okay. The next one is family. And I mean, much of the story, and again, folks, if you, you got to go listen to the first show, get the book, because it is the story of Ben, of his family. And so um, I'm guessing that some of your habits there have changed pretty significantly. Well, that's kind of a tricky one too, because, um, you know, the kids grow older and then, True. you know, the habits change, you know, yeah. it's different when they're 10 than when they're in college. True. Um, uh, but the most important thing that has not changed for us is that every Friday night we have dinner together as a family. Um, well, my kid, well, until they go to college, but, um, uh, we were traditional Jewish and we have a Friday night dinner every week. Um, and that, that has been a commitment on my part, even well before I took a sabbatical and all that. Um, I remember I was almost commuting to Tokyo once for, um, a turnaround that I was organizing there and I would come back Friday and then I get on a plane, go back to Tokyo on Sunday. Um, but I'd make sure that I was home. And I think that's kind of, that's an incredibly important habit. And the other important habit around Friday night and, and that tradition is that for 24 hours, there are no screens in our house, no computers, no telephones, no, um, nothing. Right. And it's just, and my kids play board games and we talk and we, um, we have, we have meals together and that more than anything else has been an incredibly important habit, especially in our age now when everybody's concerned about, you know, screen time and what that's doing to children and families. Taking that time is critically important. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great habit that I'm proud of. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's a significant one. Well, three is mental. And, uh, you mentioned that before with yoga, that that's as much mental as, as physical. So, uh, tell us a little bit more about that and, and the things that you do to keep yourself mentally well, sharp. Well, you know, I like somebody, uh, there's a guy named Dan Harris who uses this term, uh, mental fitness, which I think is great. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of a good, um, uh, good foil for all the physical fitness stuff that everybody's focused on. And yoga is part of it, and the other part is uh, is just meditation. I have daily meditation practice. Um, I don't think it it takes. And people really talk to me. It's like you do it every day, and how do you do it? And how do I get into it? And all that stuff. And you know, it really does not does not take that much out of you to have a daily meditation practice, provided you're not traveling. Um, and that has been um, important to me. And when I'm 
when I find myself in periods when I don't meditate, I really feel the lack of mental fitness in the way that when you don't exercise, you feel lack of physical fitness. Um, and so uh, a daily meditation practice doesn't have to be long. It could be two minutes, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 30 minutes, whatever it is. But that, um, uh, that practice, more than anything else, I think, is the way I keep mentally fit. Okay. And, and by the way, Dan Harris was a, an incredibly interesting interview and folks, his, uh, I don't know what, no, I can't remember which number it was, but he wrote the book 10% happier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Significant message there. And really yeah, hitting again, that was one of the ones that I referred to, you know, with, uh, uh, brain plasticity that we talked about in the first show, uh, yeah. came to, no, he, and I, he, he and I have gone on very similar journeys. Excellent. Yeah. His was, his was significant. Well, the next one, uh, fourth is financial and, uh, you know, what are the things you put into place to keep yourself well and healthy and balanced financially? Uh, I will admit that I have a very unhealthy relationship with money. Um, okay. and I said that to somebody who goes, yeah, welcome to the rest of humanity. Um, and, um, I think probably because I grew up without a lot of it. Yeah. And so I always, you know, in my mind, I kind of feel like it's not there and I've done well and I really should have no reason to, to, you know, be concerned about money. But if I don't, if I don't have income coming in or if I kind of, you know, even though I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, but if I don't have income coming in, I get a little, you know, um, jittery. Yeah. So, um, so it's not the healthiest relationship with money. I think it's getting better. Um, and then in terms of, uh, you know, good financial habits, um, look, I spend a lot of time teaching my kids about money. I think um, a lot of people, including myself, you know, attach all sorts of values around money and morality around money. And, you know, there's a, there's a part of meditation of, you know, just kind of accepting your thoughts for what they are. And I feel the same way about money, right? Money just is. It just is. It doesn't have to have values associated with it. It doesn't make you a good person, a bad person, a you know, a strong person, a weak person, there's nothing to do. It's just, you know, some people have it, some people don't. I mean, whatever it is. I and mean, Deepak Chopra has got this great line also, which said, like, you know, money needs to flow. You know, if, it, if you're just holding on to your pile, it doesn't do it doesn't do the world any good and certainly doesn't do you any good. Yeah. And so I believe that too, that money kind of needs to um, flow. We kind of, you know, my wife and I have a tithing uh, philosophy of giving 10% away to charity. And um, I think that's helpful. And I do think that it's important to teach uh, my family kind of there, there are rules around money. There's kind of there's a way of, of um, managing money, starting with, you know, keep your expenses lower than your income. Um, and but also if you have a little extra at the end of that, what's the best way to save it and put it away for either for a rainy day or to actually build up, you know, a, um, uh, a pool of capital so that you can do something later on with it. And I think there are, you know, I think there's, there's plenty of books around all this stuff, but I do think it's, you know, a lot of people don't talk about money and I do think it's important to talk about because it's part of living in this world. And, um, and we can be, you know, we can be smart about it and we can be stupid about it. And I think there are lots of ways of being smart. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the admission of a unhealthy relationship around money. I've okay. I got my own baggage there as well. It's come up in, in a lot of shows, but thank you. Everybody does. Yes. Everybody does. Well, the fifth one then is spiritual. And I want to make a call out again, folks, for the book, Take Off Your Shoes. Uh, the tagline there, corporate takeover, spiritual makeover. And I know a big part of the journey. And yeah, I get, we think, talk about Bali. And, and I think that's what comes to mind for a lot of people. But so what today are the things that you engage in for your spirituality well first of all i think spirituality is a really big word it is and 
um, a lot of people mean a lot of different things by yeah. it. And and for me, spirituality has all is for me anyway is very separate from religion. And um, and if I boiled it down, I think spirituality is really just kind of love for yourself, for your people around you, and for humanity. And um, uh, and you know, we talked in the other podcast about brain plasticity. Yeah. Part of that exercise for me is really deliberately cultivating a sense of um, spirituality and um, and love in the world. And, um, and the way I do that is, uh, starting with meditation first and foremost. Um, but also, you know, showing compassion, um, in the workplace, showing compassion to strangers, um, and, uh, fighting an impulse, you know, you know, I live in New York city and for the longest time I was told, you know, don't give to panhandlers on the street. It's not right. Um, the city's supposed to take care of them and you're just encouraging more of it and all that. And then I just changed my mind and I just sort of said, you know what, I don't care if that person is going to uh, put alcohol in their body or even inject something in their veins. They're as deserving of compassion as anybody else. Mm. And, um, and I walk around with a, a wad of $1 bills and just, just to give out to people. And less because I'm, you know, I'm really trying to be a saint and more because I realize what it does to my brain and my mind and my sense of well-being to say no to walk past that and not have compassion. And the way brain plasticity works is the more you show compassion like that, even if you don't feel it, eventually you will feel it. And, um, and I think that's uh, been an important habit for me to kind of really just make sure I have money in my pocket because most people don't anymore, at least in New York, everything's yeah. on credit cards. And, um, you, know, like, you know, somebody should invent a little, you know, um, you know, an Apple pay little, thing that you can give to homeless people because <laughs> otherwise people say, I'm sorry, I got no money. Yeah. I, anyway, yeah, so. totally, totally agree. I don't know how many times my kids were in a city and they like, can we give money to so-and-so? And I like, that's a credit card. Uh, <laughs> man. So there's your next invention. I, I appreciate so much what you said about compassion changing you. That is a consistent topic that comes up here in the shows with people. Really? I, I talk about her so often. Shanti Feldhahn, she wrote the book, uh, the, the kindness challenge. And she talked yeah. about that. The aspect of being kind, the biggest benefit is what it does for you, not so much even the other person. And I, so thank you for can repeating you, that. Can, can I tell you a story around that? Please, please. Um, it's in the book, but I'll tell it to you anyway. It probably belongs in the other podcast. Um, but I talk about in this book when I come back from Bali, apropos of compassion and, and cultivating that sense um, of arriving at work one day in a really, really crappy mood. And there's crappy weather outside. I arrived in this crappy mood. And I remembered... Um, and I just remembered kind of a little TED talk that a Buddhist monk gave. Um, and I pulled it up on my computer and I went there. And the message of this guy who, uh, was that, you know, he was sort of saying, you know, one emotion crowds out another in your mind. And if you're really in a crappy mood, you know, the best antidote to crappy mood is an act of random loving kindness. Hmm. So if you're really kind of a terrible mood, go, you know, go save a child's life. So in an utter act of grandiosity, I kind of type into my Google browser, you know, save a child's life. And, I looked at like number like save the children comes up and um, care international and all that, but somewhere down, you know, number four or five was, you know, a charity that I thought kind of had a personal connection to me. And I looked it up and it was a, a group that kind of takes kids from um, underdeveloped countries with congenital heart disease and um, flies them over to Tel Aviv and fixes them up and sends them home. And, um, and I just looked and I was like, what does it cost to save a child's life? And, um, uh, 
you know, and I just, I mean, utter act of grandiosity. I just went online and made a commitment to save a child's life. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, no good deed goes unpunished in this world. Right. And, you know, a few weeks later they show up in my office like, Hey, will you join the board and all that? But, um, uh, uh but it's really, you know, and as the fact of the matter is the group is called save the child's heart and, um, and I'm still involved and, uh, does enormous amount of good work, anonymous good work. Um, that um, that's got no other uh, goal other than compassion. Yeah, and um, for me, it's kind of a it's been an amazing thing in my life. Anyway, so it's kind of it's not quite a habit, but it's uh, it's an element of what I do. Yeah, that's significant. And again, just a significant repeated message that our our consistent listeners will uh, we can you can take that like I have as another conviction. Uh, for doing these things because of what it does for us as much as what it does for others. Yes, absolutely. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, six is career. And obviously that's been a a significant journey and focus for you. What are the things you do? And, And I would say today, I imagine you have as much or more opportunity being presented to you today. So what are the things that you do to keep yourself on the path that you feel like you need to with your career? Um, I don't know that I have particular career habits. Um, I think one, if I had to, I'd say one of them is, um, to always have a sense of mission, mm. not to be doing things for you know the paycheck per se, although it's important, um, but have a sense of mission of what you're doing generally, and then more particularly, you know, especially if you think about your you know a- an annual cadence of the way you know, compensation works and all that stuff. But if you think of an annual cadence, you know, develop goals and set goals for yourself so that um, you have a greater chance both of achieving them and when you do achieve them, feel a sense of achievement. Yeah as opposed to just kind of, you know, um, just going through your day by day and kind of um, pushing things along. And I think you will achieve more. I think one achieves more when they do something like that, um, but also have a greater sense of achievement and a greater sense of purpose and intention in their day-to-day work that I think brings general well-being. Um, and it's something that I try to do in my career. Absolutely. All right. Last one is personal. And this is, I mean, it's all personal, I, I know, but this is really the one, the things that you do just for you, the things that you do just for joy, fun, hobbies, play, uh, things that make you, inspire you, you, you name it. Um, one of the uh, things that I picked up with, that I picked up in Bali is I taught myself to be an artist. And I, um, uh, I would say the level of my artistic talent before I went to Bali was uh, stick figures, uh-huh. and um, and I I picked up a pencil and a paper there mostly because I was reading about brain plasticity and I read about um, somebody who taught drawing and sort of who, who was claiming that anybody can learn to draw. Um, mm-hmm. The trick is to learn how to see, as an artist sees. And she had a bunch of exercises in a way that she sort of like turn off the left side of your brain and turn on the right side of your brain. And I, and really I just did it as a little science experiment to see if like, okay, let's see if she can actually teach me how to draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was blown away by what she was able to do and blown away by what I was able to do. And I have taken that I've gone from pencil and paper to charcoal and oil paintings. And now um you know, I'm amazed at what, you know, what A, I'm able to produce and B, kind of just given me an appreciation 
not only for beauty, but just even the simple things in life that were in front of my face my entire time, my entire life. And until I learned to see, I never knew they were there. And then all of a sudden you see them, it's like, holy crap, that's been there the whole time and I've never seen it. Um, and so to me, being in my studio with a paintbrush um, and a canvas and you know whatever subject I happen to be painting to me is, um, it's been great. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat and I just, you know, I look at George W. Bush's paintings and I kind of, I feel a kinship, you know, I didn't vote for him, but I feel an amazing kinship with yeah. the man because he sort of says, you know, paintings changed his life and I kind of feel like it changed my life too. Goodness. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If this is a, a, a habit that uh, your listeners can pick up, but I do. I, but if I were to generalize it, I would say it's important to have a creative outlet, even yeah. if it's just cooking a nice meal at night, yeah. you know, do something creative feeds yeah. you. Can I ask how often you engage in your art? Not as often as I'd like. Hmm. Um, depends. I mean, the, you know, my, the word demands of work and home kind of ebbs and flows. Um, but, you know, I, if you took a look at the, my output over the last five years, it looks like, okay, here it is. I got five paintings. Um, but I do it when I can. Yeah. And um, I, need, I need a good three-hour block of time. Um, if I'm going to engage in it. So those, those are hard to find, yeah. but I'd say it's probably, you know, I do three hours to four, three to five hours once, maybe, I don't know, two weekends a month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Ben, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking us behind the scenes. Hey, it's been great. It's thank you. Uh, intriguing to hear. And uh, again, I, I think I, I always have a takeaway and your statement on compassion is what's going to be ruminating in my head uh, the rest of the day. And we might, if anybody out there heard that and has an idea so that we can use a credit card for homeless people, I think you got a business there. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll, I will, I will invest. You'll invest. There you go, folks. There's, there, <laughs> there's the promise. Somebody's going to take you up on that. Watch out. Ben, I'm thank on. you. Thanks for the time. And uh, thanks for your heart. All right. Thank you so much. Well, there you go, folks. Great insight from Ben Fetter. Again, check out his book, Take Off Your Shoes, Corporate Takeover, Spiritual Makeover at BenFetterAuthor.com or wherever you buy books. If you got value from the show, will you let Ben know and leave a review in iTunes for The Ziegler Show and mention this show and specifically what you got from Ben's sharing. There's no way to bless him more. Hey, I'll let you know what's coming up in our next show after I share some great resources with you. Okay, friends, coming up next in show 614, we hear a short clip from Zig on how to beat the world's best archer. How? By blindfolding him. And what's the point of that? It's that you can't hit what you can't see, no matter how good you are. And in your life, in our lives, if we don't have a goal, we won't hit anything. Now, I'm going to round out a little bit on that topic of a goal, though. So from the question there, or from that message, I asked the question on Facebook. I said, will you name a goal or achievement or destination or problem to solve, whichever way speaks to you, uh, for yourself in some or all of these areas? And be free to skip some areas that aren't priority for you right now, but it's a great exercise to think of something for all. And I listed the seven spokes in the Ziggler Wheel of Life that we go through with our guests in these habits show physical, family, mental, financial, spiritual, career, and personal. 
you'll get a lot out of listening in as we talk through the comments because we really round out some tangible ideas that I think will help you set your own, again, goals, destinations, achievements, uh, or solve those problems that you have. And I realize it can be daunting to put that list there and really write something out. So uh, again, I think you'll get a lot out of that show. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.